Babel, the story of Babel is a profound moment in human history. We see human ambition and organization take hold of a whole people group in a big way. And it comes right after the story of Noah and the flood. So there's this regeneration of, of humankind. And then you've got these descendants from Noah that, that start to repopulate the earth. And they're traveling eastwards. And they land in this place, which seems like a good land. And they suddenly, like spontaneously, desire to build something glorious. And two things strike me from this story. One is the motive. They wanted to be famous. They wanted to make a name for themselves on the earth. And they also wanted to, to build something so they were strong together, so that they didn't scatter across the earth, so that they were powerful and strong together, which is in rebellion to what God had asked them to do. Because back in chapter 9, God said that to, to go and spread out and repopulate the earth. He didn't want them just to stay in one place and to, to build. He'd also set the rainbow in the sky as a sign of the covenant, that there would be a relationship between God and his people, and that they were to go forward in relationship, in covenant with God. And this was an idea that they'd had independently of God, that they decided to do for themselves in order to create a name for themselves. Second thing is this spontaneous agreement. There is something remarkable. I mean, we, uh, we made a comedy out of it a minute ago just by saying how easy it was to decide to build a tower. But it's, there's this spontaneous, amazing agreement for a whole people group to start building, which I think is amazing. And I think it's something primal that is in all human beings, this desire to build a utopia and to be significant, to make a name for ourselves. And there's something in the story that invades the public consciousness in a big way. And we've seen it happen so many times in history. There's all sorts of things you could look at. You could look at the rise of Nazi Germany and how very, very quickly a whole people group suddenly become very focused and behind an idea, behind a concept that starts to mobilize people, all, some of them in a direction they would never have thought to go in because there was this massive surge Exactly. Um, you could think of the rock and roll movement. When rock and roll first came in, it changed the landscape of the United Kingdom. And things changed so quickly. Everyone got caught up in this exciting, like, Beatle mania. Uh, and everything changed so quickly in, in the 50s, 60s, and on into the 70s. Maybe it's time for eco-friendly veganism in our day. And it will all take over, and before long, we shall all be plant-based and looking after our planet. Who knows? But I think that's the sort of thing that happened in the Tower of Babel. Suddenly they had this united focus to create this city. And it's a remarkable thing. Has anyone seen the film? Uh, I think it's probably in the 80s, or maybe even the yeah, 80s probably, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Has anyone seen that film? Hands up. It's proper old school. I remember seeing it when I was far too young, when I was a kid. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. There's this like, alien spaghetti-like substance that invades the earth, and it goes up people's noses and things like that, and it, changes, it reprograms them. There's this scene in Invasion of the Body Snatchers where these kids go into a classroom, and all the kids start painting. So we, they're painting together, and then they show their paintings. And most, everybody but the kids in the story have painted identical pictures, like spookily identical pictures. And they just hold up their pictures, and they're quite a lot different. 
and they realize that something is up. These people are being reprogrammed. And I think that's a bit like something that happens in the human race, that sometimes we just start thinking along the same lines and we start working towards the same goal. And there's this, and even in creativity, you start seeing the same things emerging. Well, I think we live in a world that does control our subconscious too. It does move us. It influences us. It's not like alien spaghetti, but by media propaganda, by forces in the spiritual realm. We live in an atmosphere. In, we, we, we live in a spiritual and cultural atmosphere, in an air that we breathe that influences us to make choices in predetermined directions. And even though this story is from the ancient world, I think it's still proper relevant at this moment here on earth. So there's something in all of us that wants to build the kingdom, a utopia of some kind where those involved can prosper, where we can be successful and renowned for our excellent contribution. Last year, I kind of saw this in 3D in a really interesting way. I was at the Tate Modern, and an Icelandic artist... Olafur Eliasson, I think he's pronounced, um, installed an evolving art project in the Tate Modern's Tribune Hall. This is him. This is Olafur. What he did is he put one ton, a whole cubic ton, of white Lego on a London-shaped map. And he invited the public to build their ideal future city. And each person could contribute whatever they wanted. They could either start from scratch with Lego or they could build on what somebody else had already built with. And it was a remarkable installation. I remember standing there watching it. I watched people queue for hours to have a go. And people traveled from all over the world. There was architecture students that traveled from around the globe to come and, and build their piece in the Tate Modern, hoping to make a name for themselves in the architecture world. And what it... It started with just a massive pile like this, so kids and adults alike could, could get going with it. And people made the most elaborate structures. I mean, that, that's like a Lego Babel right there, I think, in the most amazing way. Um, and look! It was stunning, and it was really elaborate. And it just kept evolving and evolving and evolving. People just dismantled other, other buildings and then built something else. But what I found really striking is hardly anyone built small. I mean, it's a bit of fun, isn't it? You, you kind of uh, want to build something fun while you're there. You want to build something that's going to stand out from the crowd. But everybody built these massive skyscrapers. It's interesting. And as I looked down from the balcony in the turbine hall and I saw all these people busily building these massive skyscrapers, I felt the Holy Spirit say, do you know what? Babel is still resurfacing. That was what came into my heart. And I, I was chatting with some friends while I was there and I just said, this is what the Lord has just said to me. I just really feel like Babel is still resurfacing. There's still something in all of us that likes to contribute something which is impressive and utopian in some way. The problem with Babel and the problem with much of today's pioneering creativity is that it's without any relation to God. It's often commendable, but it's not worship. Or as Mark Sayers put it in his book, Disappearing Church, today we want the kingdom without the king. Does that make sense? 
In the, in the Babel story, God is so grieved by this loss of connection with his people that he decides to intervene and stop the project. And at first glance, it might seem that God is a little bit petty or a little bit competitive or controlling, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Babel, for these people, is a massive distraction from God's best, from God's eternal destiny for the people that he had on the face of the earth at this time. God had a mind for every descendant of Noah to live in loving, creative responsiveness to him. So completing Babel is the worst thing that they can do. Why? Because their ego will be fed because their desire for God will diminish even further, and that this city, which was later named Babylon, will become a swanky waiting room for death, cut off from God. It may have everything you could possibly need or wish for in this lifetime, but at the end of it is death. It is separation from God. It is rebellion. And God had eternity in mind. He had loving relationship in mind. He had the best of the best of the best in mind for his people. And he saw that they were disqualifying themselves from this vision that God had for the kingdom of God. And so the kindest thing God could do was stop the project. Because if they completed it, there would be generations cut off from the Lord. God is interested in... Eternal destinies fulfilled and intimate relationship. And those of us who have grasped this vision for life begin to see the world differently. It's no longer about how much we can achieve in our short lifetimes. It's now about keeping in step with him, working out our priorities with him, knowing that this life is only the first step in a much, much bigger idea, a much, much bigger dream. And God is the architect not any of us. We are part of his building project. And one day we're going to stand with God in glory and we're going to look over our lives and we're going to see that the things we did in response to him ultimately mattered. The only regret we're going to have is the amount of energy and time and resources that we spent on our Babels. Whatever it is we have in mind to achieve to try and create, to try and make a name for ourselves with that is not part of his plan. Those are the things we're going to regret the most, whatever that may represent for each of us. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will approve what the will of God is, his good and perfect will. How many of you know that God's will is already resting on every single one of your lives? God has purposes that he wants to fulfill. And they stretch on into eternity. There are things that you can begin now that you can still be glad about and still maybe even be developing in 10,000 years time. And you'll look back and you'll be so glad for the moments that you said yes to Jesus over his will for your life. And God has got a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. I believe that plan evolves as we grow, as we make our decisions, as we say no to some things that he has called us into, and as we say yes to other things. 
He's able to evolve with us. He's that good. But you know what? Right now, for the time that you have left breathing on this planet, God has purposes for your life. Already his hand is upon you. Our job is to discover what they are and to be obedient. Amen? This year is a year of responsiveness to the, the purposes and the plans of God. Those of you who are here for the, our verse for the year will know that I believe this is a year where the Lord wants to move us a lot more easily. Wherever the Spirit wants to go this year, He wants to move us so that we can be positioned to be able to fulfill what God wants us to do this year. And He already has set that up for us. But you know what? If we're going to do that, we're going to have to remove the distractions. We're going to have to remove the things that we are too immersed in to be able to see the new thing that God wants to do. Amen? So let's remove as many distractions and faults as we can and jump into obedience to the Holy Spirit in a big way.